are in our study of 2 Corinthians, and we are in a section between chapter 4, verse 7, and verse 15. Second Corinthians chapter 4, verses 7 through 15. If you would, please follow with the reading of the word, and then we will pray that the Lord will help us. Second Corinthians 4, verse 7. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels, so that the surpassing greatness of the power will be of God and not of ourselves. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed, perplexed, but not despairing. Persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed, always carrying about in the body the dying of Jesus so that the life of Jesus also may be manifest in our bodies. For we who live are constantly being delivered over to death for Jesus' sake so that the life of Jesus also may be manifest in our mortal flesh. So death works in us, but life in you. But having the same spirit of faith, according to what is written, I believed, therefore I spoke. We also believe, therefore we also speak, knowing that he who raised the Lord Jesus will raise us also with Jesus and will present us with you. For all things are for your sakes, so that the grace which is spreading more and more people may cause giving of thanks to abound to the glory of God. Father, help us to have ears to hear. Help us to have eyes to see. Father, as we look at our brother Paul, may we understand ministry. May we understand the task that is before us. And yet, Father, the power that is with us. Father, may we understand the glory of God in the face of Christ. As we walk, that is what is manifest to those that you bring into our lives. Father, overwhelm us with you, that we may decrease, that you may increase. To your praise and glory, amen. We're looking at this contrast that the Apostle Paul has given us. This letter, 2 Corinthians, is basically set up to show us what ministry is about. And um, I I guess the key to it and, and, and the understanding of this is that we don't bring anything to the table. We, we don't offer nothing. And he uses the term here, we are earthen vessels, baked dirt. All right, there's nothing noble, there's nothing honorable about us. We are not something beautiful to look at. Just old, hard, baked dirt. And it's uh, kind of like when you use paper plates and plastic spoons. Okay, I'll use it. And, and I remember a guy one time, well, it was a couple of weeks ago, a guy made a statement. He says, well, these are really nice. Should we wash them? Excuse me? It's plastic. No. No, we ain't going to wash them. Why? We'll get more. Okay. Basically, that's how Paul views himself. You who are saved this day, are being utilized based on your view of that or your lack of view of that. If you're not being used by the Lord Jesus Christ, then you think you're special. And God will not use you because you're in the way. 
Paul is trying to tell us that we who are saved are not normal. We're not a noble vessel. It is just by His pure will that you are saved. But then in His pure grace and mercy, He says, I will use you in this old clay pot. And what was happening in Corinth, Paul had left after being there two years, almost two years, and false had come in from behind him. And they want to teach something different, but they've got to discredit Paul first. And if I can discredit Paul first, then I can give you error and you will receive it. It goes on all every day. has been going on for as long as I can remember. That's what they do. I have seen church after church after church fall after having sound, solid teaching. Uh, one of the greatest heartaches that I ever had, I was in London, England, it's been a number of years ago, uh, and, and I went to Westminster Chapel. Okay? Not cathedral. Chapel. Okay? It's half a block away from Scotland Yard. Okay? That's where Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones preached. And I, I get goosebumps when I just think about him. He was considered one of the greatest cardiologists the world had ever seen. Okay? Did you hear what I said? Yes, he was a doctor. And I'm talking a heart doctor. And God got a hold of him and said, walk away from it, preach. I mean, people from Europe and, and, uh, and the island and all of it would contact him and he'd want diagnoses after he became a pastor. One of the most powerful preachers that I have ever heard. I've only heard one of his messages. Um, and, but uh, I've got a number of his books and texts and just an amazing man. Okay, and I mean, this guy would rock your universe when it comes to theology and the exposition of the word. I went to his church, it's been, like I said, a number of years ago, and the place is a circus. I mean, it's, it's Barnum and Bailey's. You can do anything you want in the name of ministry. And, and I walked into the, the worship center, and it's the, the old English, it's, it's what I call preaching in the round. And, and the, the, the pulpit is sort of out in the middle, okay? And, and then it's got balconies and all the rest of it. And I thought, uh, be in this place where Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones preached is totally amazing to me. And then to see what has happened to that church, it's, it's probably more amazing. And, and, you know, I talked to, I had an opportunity to share a number of different congregations when I was in England, every one of them said the same thing to me. What England needs is a new doctor. And what they were referring to was Martin Lloyd-Jones. Same thing is happening in the Corinthian church. Paul wasn't much to look at. We've already looked at it. He said he was not impressive. He was not eloquent in his speech. Okay? Tell me we don't get off on that today. We want to hear him talk. Are they a powerful speaker? And we will elect you or vote you or whatever it is we want to do. But can you sway me? Can you hold my attention? Paul says, I, didn't, I couldn't do that. 
His accuser says, he writes great words. But he's unimpressive to look at. And then you think about it. He'd been stoned and left for dead. He was probably not the most pleasant thing to look at. Okay? He didn't have... He couldn't turn a phrase. He couldn't hold an audience. So how could he be of God? I mean, if he's really of God, why does everybody want to kill him? Why is his ministry so wrong? I mean, stoned and shipwrecked? Beaten with rods? And so Paul, what's amazing to me is his conclusion to these accusations against him is this. You're right. I'm not impressive. I'm not a great orator. I do not have a bucket of wisdom and degrees. There are no little letters at the end of my name. And I am really not that fun to look at. Because you know what? I'm an empty old clay pot. And the only thing of any value to me, any value to anybody out of this baked dirt jar is the precious treasure that is inside. That's it. Once a Christian can understand they have no value. Once you get there, then you get verses 8 and 9. In that humility, I am humble. I have no reason why he ever even saved me. Once you get to that place, absolute humility, then you are unstoppable. You're unstoppable. While being humble... The amazing power of God is this fragile, breakable, replaceable, no-value earthen vessel. We don't want to overestimate it. It's just an old clay pot. But you don't ever want to underestimate what God will do with that clay pot. I kind of look at this It's the partner with humility. The treasure is the power of God. And he hid it in that container? Really? Guy told me, he says, when you go through this, you'll get to eight and nine. And he says, it's a paradox. And I was like, is that like a place you park boats? What is that? And he says, well, it's a contrast. I said, there's four contrasts here. And what you're looking at, I I want you to think about this. This baked clay pot, okay? And all of its weakness, its weakness is not crippling. Okay? The weakness of the earthen vessel magnifies the power of God. The weakness, now this is going to be hard for you to understand. The weakness is strengthening. The weakness is essential. If you don't have that, you've got no power. It's just going to be you. 
And Paul's already discussed it with us. Make sure your works, there's gold, silver, and precious stone, not wood, hay, and stubble. When the fire comes, and let me tell you something, you read Paul, you will see the fire. Paul's last letter to Timothy said, you walk in his righteousness, you will be persecuted. Here Paul, this humble man, yet he was an unstoppable man. Now, I want you to think with me for just a second. You get the privilege to go into this town. Never has this town heard the gospel. And you go in and preach the gospel. You do it with power and conviction. And they stone you. Drag your unconscious carcass outside and throw it on the manure pile. All right? You come to. Watch your response. What's your response? How do I get fire and brimstone out of heaven? You know what Paul's response was? He went back into town. What are you, nuts? He went back in. But you don't think that wasn't important? There was a young man who lived in that town. His mom was a believer, Jewish. His grandma was one who had taught him the scriptures as an infant. And he became he who carried the cloak of Paul's ministry. A young man named Timothy. I bet if I was Paul and God told me this is what I was going to do, you're going to get stoned and left for dead. Isn't there an easier way of getting this kid? How about I send him a card, an invitation? This man, Paul, was very, very, very aware of his weaknesses. And at the same time, In that weakness, he was extraordinarily mighty in the Lord. The thing that I think that hinders the church in the United States today is that we are mighty in ourselves. If I get a degree, if I study a certain thing, if I get this, or if I study under this person, or if I go to this school, or if I do this, or I do that, then I'm ready And if you believe that, I love you, but you're a fool. I've been doing this for 20 years. And you know what? I still ain't ready. I still ain't ready. And I know that the day that I become ready will be the day that my faith becomes sight. And I'll be absent from the body and I'll be present with my Lord. And anybody who thinks otherwise is a fool is a fool. 2 Corinthians chapter 12 verses 7 through 10 Because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations for this reason to keep me from exalting myself there was given to me a thorn in the flesh a messenger of Satan to torment me to keep me from exalting myself. 
Concerning this, I implored the Lord three times that it might leave me. And he has said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for the power is perfected in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, I will rather boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may dwell in me. Therefore, I am well content with the weaknesses, with insults, with distress, with persecution, with difficulties for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Think about that for a second. Have you ever read that? It wasn't like Paul was this rebellious saint backsliding all the time. To the greatness of the revelations, just as a preventative measure to keep Paul from exalting himself, a messenger from Satan, a thorn in his flesh, was given. But the Apostle Paul understood it. Why? Verse 9, that God's grace was sufficient. Oh, if the church would grab this and get a hold of it. Because this is where the might of God comes from. In our absolute uselessness. The weaker we are in our own strength, the stronger we will always be in the Lord. That, my brothers and my sisters, is where the power is perfected. In your weaknesses, in my weaknesses. Paul says, I will boast in my weaknesses. You know, it's amazing. And I think about myself when I study the Apostle Paul. Not that I'm an apostle. Not that I could even carry his sandals. But, but I think about the Apostle Paul. He wasn't much to look at. He couldn't hold a crowd. And it did seem like, I remember in my study of all of his letters as a major, what I was trying to figure out why the letters were written. Um, it seemed like the churches that were the strongest was the ones he wasn't at long. <laughs> I mean, Philippi. He goes to jail there and they run him off. Thessalonica was an amazing church. But you look at the ones where he spent a lot of time with, you're like, man, what a drag. You know, the longer you stay, the worse it gets. Okay, but I I never did understand that. Maybe that's our problem here. I've been here too long. Okay, but you guys haven't stoned me and left me for dead, so I ain't leaving. And yet... I think about it. I'm not a people person. I'm not a, what I call it, an extrovert. That ain't me. I, I, I just don't do that. And so you got me doing what, Lord? Are you out of your mind? And I mean, to this day, when I have to get ready to preach, I'm nervous as a cat on a hot tin roof. Or a cat, long-tailed cat in a room full of rocking chairs. Whichever one you want to use. It makes me uncomfortable. I don't mind sitting at a table with one or two people. I, that's all right. I can do that. Paul says, I will boast in my weaknesses. Why? Because in the weaknesses is where we will find our strength. 
Because then it becomes God doing it. And really, what can thwart God's powers? Really? What can stop God's plans? And yet, we think that there's some kind of a value for us. We ain't got no value. When we recognize we are absolutely nothing, as Paul did, there's nothing there. There's nothing physical to attract. There's nothing impressive. Then you will get to the place where you rely solely on the power of God. You know, it's, it's like when you get to the end of your rope, if you want to be useful to God, then cut it off. There's nothing else left. But we'll hang on to it. No, cut it off. See, that is the point, brothers and sisters, of ministry. It ain't your ministry. It is God's ministry. I'm but a clay pot. That's it. That's it. Paul, when I look at the Apostle Paul, you know, we can always sit around and say, well, you know, a clay vessel. Paul was a clay vessel. There's no doubt about it. But Paul was a battered, a hammered clay vessel. Let's be realistic. Any given circumstance that you've seen that the Apostle Paul had to deal with, if you'd have had to deal with the same thing, your ministry would have stopped right there if you were doing it yourself. Stone me and leave me for dead. Shipwreck me three days in the steep. I don't want a part of it. Well, you got to go to Jerusalem, but you're going to be afflicted and arrested when you get there. Then I'm going to Antioch. I mean, if they're warning me that the trouble is there, I'll go somewhere else. In chapter 1, verses 5 to 8, you remember this. For just as the sufferings of Christ are ours in abundance, so also are comforts in abundance through Christ. If we are afflicted, it is for your comfort and salvation. Or if we are comforted, it is for your comfort, which is effective and patient, enduring the same sufferings which we also suffer. And our hope for you is firmly grounded, knowing that you are sharers of our sufferings. Okay, you know what that says? I ain't trusting my circumstances. I'm trusting the Lord of hosts. Think about that. Too many times you and I are trying to make it look this way. I'm going into ministry and I'm going to do this and this and this and this. Now you're doing it based on your cleverness. You're doing it based on your technique, your abilities, your talents, and you will not have the power of God manifest. Ain't gonna happen. Ain't gonna happen. How does it weigh out? I don't know. I, I think some of these guys who got their little cleverness there, at best they have their re rewards. They're done. They get to heaven, they get no crowns. Okay? Some of them, I believe, are deceived. They don't know the Lord. They're just businessmen who can turn a phrase. Gifted speakers. And I think about all of the assaults that are on the Apostle Paul. 
And you know what is amazing? He was never destroyed. He was unstoppable. It didn't matter what they did. You couldn't stop him. But he understood that there was no value in his. As me, Paul. Let me tell you about the new covenant. And the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. He had run to the end of the... You know, you've heard that we need to be ran to the end of our resources. You've heard that? The Apostle Paul lived there. There was no running to the end of it. He never left it. I'm just going to stay here. Because when you are there as the Apostle Paul, that's when the power of God takes over. You got nothing to bring. Paul was accused. He was mocked. He was slandered. And you know what? I think about just how you and I at times get our feelings hurt because somebody said something. They said it about Paul all the time. And he never stopped. He never wavered. And you know what is so cool about it? (laughs) The people, his accusers, were left to explain the impact of the life. This guy's got nothing, and look at what he's done. How's he doing that? He couldn't hold an audience. No, this man preached from sunrise to sunset. A kid fell out the window and died. He raised him from the dead and continued his message. Well, if you preach over 22 minutes, you know you lose them. I heard a guy tell me this one time. He says, you can't preach a message longer than the butt can endure. And I said, what? He says, the only people can only sit and listen for so long. Really? Are you out of your minds? I will preach until my voice stops. Because I don't have any resources. And now, you know what? If you're waiting for me to bring up the dancing ponies or the flash bang things, ain't happening. Paul, Paul couldn't look and say, you know what? You think I'm a worthless clay pot. And you know what? I am. I am. But how do you explain the fruit? How do you explain the fruit? Everybody says you're nothing. Paul says, truth of the matter is, I am nothing. I'm crushed to nothing. There is nothing good. There is no value. But how do you explain the impact? How did it happen? And you know what? I want you to think about this. I can look at many church congregations today and I can explain to you what they're doing. All right? It is very simple. You have marketing and you have merchandise and now you go find you a consumer. And that's what they're doing. I can explain that. Okay? I cannot explain... How you take this little Jewish man who had bad eyes, couldn't talk, okay, and really wasn't that much fun to look at, 
and literally turned the Gentile world upside down. I can't explain that. I don't know. All I, he must have had an amazing PR guy. And I don't know what he had to spend for advertising. Oh, I know. It was his worship leader. No. Paul says, you know what? Everybody says, I'm nothing. You're right. Today I look around and I see a lot of people. They're doing a lot of things and I can tell you what they're doing. But there are very few who will sit in absolute humility and say, I'm going to live in a place of absolutely no resources. I've got nothing. Here I am, send me. I mean, what was Paul's technique? Preach the word in season, out of season. That sounds complicated. The power of God takes... The power of God will take it completely out of the hands of the man. Absolutely out of the hands of the man. You know what? People ask me, they say, well, Terry, I, we've watched you... Sometimes, and, and it's almost like we can watch God come upon you. Do you know it? No. The only time I can tell you that God really used me, okay, that I believe that what I did, God did through His power, is usually about 1 o'clock in the afternoon. I am absolutely exhausted. I, I can't even explain it to you. I mean, my brain... I'm physically exhausted, and I mean, it just—it's like I'm wrung out. Okay, then I can say emphatically, God used me because I—I got nothing left. I got nothing left. See, it's the power of God. You see in the Apostle Paul that makes him a servant of God, right? which makes his accusers wrong. All the assault on this apostle made him less able to trust in himself. You know, I've, I've had in my, in, in my ministry, and, if, and I'm telling you, brothers and sisters, if you walk with the king, you will be persecuted. I have had people come out of the, just blindside me and make these goofy accusations. All right, and it's, it has happened over and over. I don't know how many times it's happened. And I've, I've learned, I don't even defend myself. And people say, well, you need to defend yourself. No, you know what I tell them? Compare the fruit. And I leave it at that. Well, they want to pick a fight with me. I don't want to pick a fight. Compare the fruit. Here's the accuser. Here I am. Here's my faithfulness. Here's their faithfulness. Why? Because when you become a humble, earthen, baked jug, you know what? You got nothing to lose. What, are you going to defame me? Oh, now what? Well, yeah, I am a pot that carries the garbage out of the house. (laughs) I'm a garbage bucket. And you're going to make me feel worse. (laughs) I, I, when I look at the Apostle Paul on this, and it's amazing just to watch, but if you really think about it, when Jesus said, who is the greatest man born a woman? 
John the Baptist. How's come? Why him? He had a powerful ministry. When Jesus showed up, what did he say? I'm out of work. <laughs> Follow him. You know what John understood? I'm just an old clay pot. Let's get to the specifics of this. When I think about the Apostle Paul and the assaults that were upon him, he couldn't trust in himself. Okay? I have no way of overcoming this. Someone is accusing that, gosh, Paul, you are ugly to look at. You can't talk. Okay, I just don't understand how, and it's obvious you're doing something wrong, or God wouldn't be persecuting you every time you turn around, people trying to kill you. And Paul has to look at him and say, you're right. Okay, you're right. Why? That in itself makes Paul, or the minister, makes him, or us, more able to trust in God, which makes us more powerful. Verse 8, we are afflicted in every way. Okay, the word afflicted in the original language means we are subject to pressure. Okay? It's being pressed on. If you think about it, Paul had to wake up every day facing death. Okay? Now listen, you guys don't do that. I mean, you might philosophically or spiritualize it. Well, I'm getting closer to the grave with every heartbeat. This dude had people every day wanting him dead. And were willing to take his life any given opportunity. And he had to face that. Now, I don't know about you, brothers and sisters. That's pressure. When you don't know who you bump into, isn't the assassin that's supposed to end your life? Yeah, that's kind of a, hmm, tense. Every day, someone could possibly take his life. But there's one other thing that he made a statement that has always haunted me. Verse 28 of chapter 11. Apart from such external things, there's daily pressure on me of the concern for all the churches. The disappointments in the church, the heartaches of the church. Did you know that the church causes heartache? Paul was hemmed in. He was pressed on. He was pushed. But look what he says. But not crushed. They're pressing on me to crush me. And guess what? I'm unstoppable. See, humility sees the pressure and realizes that it can never crush him. It can never overwhelm him. He's confined. There's no escape. And yet, I have victory over it. Next word did you see there? Contrast. Perplexed, but not despairing. Okay? It's funny, it's the same word in Greek. One of them's negative, one of them's positive. <laughs> Um, at a loss, but not a total loss. I'm at wit's end. I'm, I'm despondent, but I'm not despairing. Pushed to the bottom. When you get to the bottom, you find God's strength. So he just stays there. 
So he looks at it. I mean, if you think about the heartache that he had to have had for the church. I mean, the fact that he has to write these two letters. He says, I'm at the bottom, but that's all right. It's safer there. One of the things I've learned about the bottom, you can't fall. (laughs) But he says, I'm not despaired. Verse 9, you see the word there, persecuted? It's an interesting word in the original language. It says, I am persecuted but not forsaken. The word persecuted here literally means to pursue or to hunt an animal. I'm stalking an animal, not to make it my pet. Okay? You stalk the animal to kill it. Paul says, I'm being stalked. They want to kill me. They want me dead. They are after me. They are pursuing me. Day in, day out. In the country, in the city. From my people, the Jews. And from the Gentiles. Paul was stalked like a hunted animal. And yet he says, I'm not forsaken. Paul says, even being hunted down like an animal, I'm never alone. I'm never deserted. I'm never abandoned. No matter what the difficulties. See, they've run me out to nothing. Now what is seen is the glory of God through this baked dirt jug. Next you see there, struck down but not destroyed. The word struck down in the original language has to do um, to strike with a weapon. Um, it's, it's a combat word, whether it is a makaira sword or a rumfai sword. It is to strike, um, to destroy. It was also used to speak of wrestling or boxing. If you struck someone and threw them down to pin them, or you knocked them out. That's the word that would be used. Paul says, I have been beaten to the ground, but I'm not destroyed. Why? I never quit. I never stop. You have four pictures of basically a severe assault, and it, and it has a, a picture of, of some type of combat. And he says, they're beating me ragged. But that's all right. I bear on my body the marks of Christ. And through it all, I survive. Listen, somebody told me a long time ago, and I wish I could remember... It's always kind of stuck in my head, and I can't remember if it said it or I read it, but I I thought about this as I was going through Paul, and it's a quote, uh, and I don't know who. (laughs) Triumph is not escaping trouble, but defeating it. 
Okay, triumph is not escaping trouble, but defeating it. Paul says, you're right. Look at my ministry. Here's my ministry, guys. Afflicted, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not despairing. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. Sign me up for ministry. But he says, how do you explain the impact of that ministry? You and I today bear fruit to this man's ministry. Paul's life was unwavering. Paul's life was powerful. And you know what? Stand back and look at it and you know it isn't him. He didn't do that. You try to exist in just one of those afflictions. And do it in your own strength. And let me ask you how successful you will be. I've been struck with a weapon. Knocked down. KO'd. Pinned. And I'm out of here. Not the Apostle Paul. No human would take that abuse in their own resources. Because our triumph would be, how can I escape? I mean, when I think about him going to Jerusalem after Agabus says, you know what? They're going to arrest you and they're going to try to kill you in Jerusalem. The Holy Spirit already says so. And he said, but I am prisoned by the Holy Spirit to go. You go through that and tell me how you're going to maintain your joy and your peace. You're going to do that in your own resources. And then then you're going to keep preaching the same message? Well, maybe if I put a little thing here on the end of it, a little better instead of you're going to hell. You know, maybe if I tweak it, they won't be so angry with me. Paul had absolute humility, and in his absolute humility, he was absolutely unstoppable. The less of Paul, the less of any minister, the more power of God will be manifest. You will see the strength of God when we are weak. When we are humble. Exposed to clay. Show up for what it is. Then we see God. Where the power of Christ then takes over. Paul says to live is... Christ. And what? To die is gain. I have run the course. I have kept the faith. He was ready. Now, I, I, you guys get this because I'm, I'm glad you're all sitting down. Because there's a key here. When you realize that you are this vessel, just an old blanked clay jug. Of absolutely no value. When you get to that place. You become unstoppable. Because you no longer have any fear of death. None. To live is Christ. If you have no fear of death. 
You have no fear of life. But in, if you got some kind of value in your system that says, you know, I'm important. You're in the way. There's no fear of being defamed. There's no fear of what anybody says. You know, people say, well, Terry, you get up in there once when you spit. That's good. My throat's dry. Well, how can you? You know what? Don't sit in the front row. Look. <laughs> this isn't complicated. Well, but you pace around. You move your arms. You don't want to pull the top off the pulpit, do you? I, I, I can't believe you're a preacher. Why? You ride a motorcycle. How can you be a preacher and have a beard? They don't let me have sharp things. I, I don't understand some of this. And, and you know, you get these attack, 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 attack. And you know, after a while you realize, who cares? I've had people who are in this church that says, I'll outweigh you. And they're gone. I, I got a sad message for everybody. I don't have anywhere else to go. I, I, I don't. When I think about my brother Paul here, I cannot say, you know what? I have suffered anything like him. But I can honestly tell you, I've had some assaults before. I've talked to other pastors. They said, well, you can't take them personal. And I asked him, well, didn't you go through this? And, yeah. And I said, did you take them personal? I said, well, you sure. So you're telling me I shouldn't. And there's, there's some that have been very, very personal. And you just, whatever. I had a guy t- got yelled at me, and he yelled at me. You have made the Bible an idol. Man, you should have seen the things I used to worship. I don't worry about it. Paul had no fear. You know, I think about the Apostle Paul. Paul's mindset was, if they kill me, it's a promotion. I mean, Paul says, absent from the body, to live is Christ, to die is gain. All right? But you and I, we have important things. You know, I got kids, maybe grandkids. What if if I miss this one? No, you're a clay pot. Do you know you're replaceable at any given instant? If he wasn't afraid of death, what fear would he have of what they said? Because the more they attacked him, the more the power of Christ would be seen. The more he was destroyed... As the person, the more you have to explain how things were happening through him. The harder the attack, the more the man God wanted him to be. When we are nothing, Christ is everything. Anybody want to try ministry? Because that's what it is, brothers and sisters. That's what it is. 
But when the earthen vessel understands its absolute humility, then the earthen vessel is absolutely unstoppable. And that's what the Apostle Paul was. Let's pray. Father, thank you for our brother Paul and the path that he set before us. Lord, I pray that uh, we hear your words this day. That, Father, we see this man, Paul, and, and, and how awesome of a... Uh, I don't understand at times. Father, please, please may we decrease that you may increase. Father, it ain't about us. It ain't about what we would classify our ministries as being successful. We are but an earthen vessel with the most astonishing treasure ever presented to humanity inside. Father, may we be diligent to rightly divide truth. Father, may we, who are called by your name, preach in season and out of season. To your glory and to your praise, in Christ's name, amen.